All right, it's a live episode of Locked On Pelicans. Are you worried if the Pelicans basically run back the whole roster from last year? Let's look at it from both sides in today's live episode of Locked On Pelicans and answer your questions. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast, and right here live on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all live on a Thursday night, 7 p.m. We're going to be doing these every single week, more or less, until the start of the season for the Pelicans. It's a great way to interact with y'all answer your questions so i appreciate you for making locked on pelicans part of your thursday night evening or if you're just listening on friday or another time that's really cool too and if you want to support the channel become an everydayer we are the number one pelicans podcast we're here monday through friday no one else comes to you like this giving you all of the insight into the team you want answering your questions we have some fun here and i've got some really great off-season topics for y'all that i want your interaction with and that's going to be starting in a couple uh, like literally a week we're going to be five days a week next week and then I'm going to drop it down so I can get a little bit of a break to three days a week and I got themes for every single day and it is gonna be a whole lot of fun so I'm excited I appreciate y'all being here if you're an everydayer let me know in the comments on YouTube I can see everything here abj504 who literally comments just comment Every single day, which I love, is in there right away. I love it. Zach Wallach, flap, flap. I'm not going to say the next part of that, even if you did it in a nice way. Logic, I see your question. We'll get to that one here. Michael Parnell says, go Pels. Trey Trey, my favorite host. I get two exclamation points there. I appreciate that. Kim Byers is here with us. Couldn't... Uh, couldn't not act not could not come in after the last time too. We get to have fun with all of these, so I'm excited to be here with y'all. If you do have questions, put them in the chat. The only thing I ask is please don't spam it. It's easier to block you than it is to like go through and like delete all of these things. So if I see that, you're just not going to be able to like interact and you can just watch and that's it. Vince 9022 says I'm a new everydayer. I love it. Love it. All right. So let's get into the main topic here. And I'm curious what you all think. This is a question to all of you. We'll do this for the first segment. Then the next two will kind of go in the direction that y'all take it in. I've got a bit of a hard stop after about 30 minutes or so today. So are you worried if the Pelicans run it back? Because as it stands right now with the roster that they have, they're about $3 million, $2.9 million into the luxury tax, something they've never paid before. And I don't know if you're looking at this objectively with the kind of parameters that um, they might have of, we're only going to pay it a few times. I don't know if I want to pay the luxury tax for this roster. I want them paying the luxury tax. I don't really care about Gail Benson's money. But if you're looking at it from what she may or may not do, and we've got to kind of like pick what it is, I don't know if it's this roster or maybe a roster a season from now. So all of that's to say is, if they were to swing a bigger trade, you know, let's let's remove Damian Lillard from the equation. We can go somewhere else with this too. You know, I do worry, as I realize the fan in this room is still on, that 
you're going to end up taking more money back than sending it out. I can't imagine they would be in a position where they would take back less money. So any move they make is going to put them deeper into the luxury tax. As it stands right now, unless that is for like a significant player, a Jared Allen, maybe even a Miles Turner, they might pay the tax. But if it's for a smaller move that minorly upgrades your roster, I don't know if that's something that ownership necessarily wants. So... If that's the case, I see them just running it back and probably trying to dump someone like Kyra Lewis Jr. And I actually saw this as the first comment from Kevin here, Kevin Byers, who says, Seabrun solidifies the need to move Kyra. It, it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, the, that moving Kyra was always the likely move. He just, there isn't a future here after the, the ACL tear and some of the other guys ahead of him. You know, and it's a combination of them not developing him as well. You know, it's a combination on him not getting better and bad injury luck. They were always going to do, they were always going to move him because even without Sebron, where does he fit into the rotation? But with Sebron showing out in Summer League and having a very good season in the G League last year, yeah, it makes it a little bit easier for you to try and do that. But I don't even think that, you know, moving Kyra was never not going to be the move if that's what they could do. Or it's just kind of dumping Jonas Valanciunas for a cheaper center, which maybe they could do as well. So it leads to me feeling like they're probably just going to end up running the roster back. Is that a good or a bad thing? Curious what you all think here. Um, part of it is because, look, they were first in the West. And if you've been, if you're an everyday or if you hear me on the radio, I say this a lot, you know, you don't get to be first in the West as a fluke. You also don't win championships in December when they were there. They were third when Zion went down for the season, but they were like two games back of number one. This was a competitive team here. So there's reasons to think running it back is a good idea and hope for other types of improvements. You know, when you look at this team last year, even when they were winning games, say that seven game winning streak while Brandon Ingram was out and Zion was playing, you know, you could still see a lot of flaws with what they were doing offensively. They still weren't using Jonas Valanciunas properly. There was a lot to simply put not like about the team, despite the fact that they were winning and they were winning because Zion is a freak of nature. I don't know if they were winning by like good coaching, good design, all of those sorts of things. So running it back, you know, on the surface might sound risky given the way the season went and maybe you don't have trust in some of these guys being healthy. But I also think that there's going to be other more significant improvements on the roster, a better half court offense, which they're bringing James Borrego in to try and do. You know, you have a decision to make, and we can talk about this one a little bit here, but I'm going to save these for full shows, maybe next week, maybe further down in the offseason of, you know, do you need to start Trey Murphy? Do you need to bring, as I have it listed there, CJ McCollum? And if you make and use your personnel a little bit better, can you then become a significantly better team? And the answer to that really could be yes. So running it back, there are some risks there. But there's also like a lot of room for improvement for a team that was first in the Western Conference. Like a lot of room for improvement. And I think that's where I get most excited about what this team is potentially capable of doing. And so running it back to me is, is not a concern. You know, and I also do think, you know, it's not a concern because one, we've seen what BI in, in Zion can do. Two seasons ago, three seasons ago, his second year, whatever it was. And... We've also seen it where uh, CJ and Ingram can work, and we saw they were good this past 
season. So I think that running it back isn't as scary as some people think. The other thing that I think is potentially good about it is, look, if it doesn't work when you ran it back, like there's no excuses. You just got to blow everything up, right? Like you've got to trade guys. You got you got to look into trading Zion. You got to look into trading BI. You got to look into doing everything. If you run it back and people are relatively healthy and it just falls on its face for whatever reason, dramatic changes then need to happen. And it's not like, well, they could be good. So maybe we should try it for one more year. There's no more one. There's no uh, one more year if next season things just completely fall apart again for any of the like hundreds of reasons that it could. So I kind of like having this inflection point on things where it's just like, good, we're done. We can move on. We're not in limbo anymore. And I think honestly, that's a useful thing. If you make a major tweak to the roster going into next season, that you might still be stuck in this treadmill cycle for a while if it's like, well, they needed more time to gel or we just need this one more player in addition to the big one we got last offseason. And you're just never going to break out of that. And I don't know if that's a healthy spot for the franchise to be in. But let me know what you think. Do you think running it back is a good or a bad idea here. Shane Smith says the roster could use an upgrade until Z and BI can prove more durable. Running it back as is won't be good enough, so then you're probably, you will probably be starting over. Like, I think that's fine. I think running it back and having it blow up, like, it's not going to be fun. That's going to suck, right? But at least you know. Like, at least you know, and you don't have this big lingering question mark anymore, and I think there's still kind of a big question mark around everything. Patrick Delaney says, it's not a runbacks. Uh, it's not a runback. Some players we had are gone. I hope we didn't give up on Jax too soon. I think if you look at the core of the roster, it's a runback. Like, Jax is gone, but he didn't play a significant role last year. Neither did Josh Richardson, right? Like, I'm looking at your main core eight guys, which, which Jackson Hayes wasn't a part of, I don't think. And so I think it ends up being okay. Like, if your season hinges on Jackson Hayes like no no it's just not happening no one sees it he's going to hinge on that he didn't show enough he had plenty of opportunities with it and there was a lot of you know fault there too with the Pelicans so let's get into your questions the next couple of segments I do have a slightly hard stop in today's episode so I want to make sure that we can get to what y'all want to talk about take your comments here I see we got a real dedicated um group in here. This is awesome. All right. That's going to be coming up here. Your questions next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. However, before we get to that, I'm excited to tell you about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you're going to land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you get, who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Let me know what bets you all like in the FanDuel app since we're doing the live show here. Maybe those will get read on today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today. And every day, we're here, Monday through Friday, coming to y'all like no one else is, the number one Pelicans podcast, doing the live shows every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to keep these rolling over the offseason, too, so I'm excited to be interacting with y'all. We're going to have some fun the next couple of weeks as we get into like the dregs of the offseason. It's going to be top 10 
every Monday. The show is going to be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday night live show. No show on Tuesday. The Thursday show is no show Thursday during the day. And then the Thursday night live show is the Friday show. The Monday is going to be top 10. We're going to kind of rank some things. I'm going to be curious whether you agree with me or disagree. Wednesdays are going to be what if Wednesdays, but not looking back what if. It's not going to be like a what if DeMarcus Cousins never got hurt. It's going to be a what if the Pelicans win the championship? What happens after that? What if Zion Williamson doesn't stay healthy next year? What if Zion Williamson stays healthy next season? So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for kind of the theme days to see what y'all think about all of those. So shout out to Ahmed Abdillah. I hope I didn't botch that here. And he says, hey, Jake, every day in the UK, it's currently 1 a.m. That is a solid every dayer right there. Might be the most dedicated every dayer that we've we've got there. Um, I see people saying Pelican, <laughs> Mc, uh, McVander Fargo, Pelican's health. Yep, Pel- Pelican's health. This, when I had Howard Beck on the show, we, you know, I'm doing this 30-minute podcast with this really great NBA insider and like the show kind of boiled down to like, if Zion's healthy, everything's fine. If this team is healthy, everything's fine. If you talk to people around the league, and I have, they think the Pelicans are good. They think the Pelicans are good if they're healthy. And that's just the main question. And for a team, again, as I said in the last segment, that was good last year, but I don't even think it was like scratching deep into the surface of their potential. They say healthy. I'm really excited about what they're going to be capable of doing. You know, just it's there's things they can do to really improve because that offense was completely garbage. And there's other moves they can make as well. I see Shane Smith says Jonas Valanciunas prevents Willie from playing the way he really wants to play. I mean, he doesn't. You know, they take him out when in crunch time, late in the fourth quarter. It doesn't prevent him. He just doesn't play that guy. I just don't think that's the greatest use of your roster or of money for especially for a team in the luxury tax but I don't think it's preventing anything I think Willie Green's offense is predicated around just making quick decisions right the 0.5 thing is not so much an offense as it is an identity or a philosophy right decide what you're doing in 0.5 make that move make that pass whatever it might be I also think that adds some bloat to the offense you know you don't want to be passing just to pass you want to have purpose behind the decisions that you're making I don't know if it necessarily allows that so bringing in James Borrego to kind of revamp what they're doing I believe is a very good idea for all of that and that's why where I see Kevin Byers says it's not a half-court roster like it absolutely can be B.I. is good in the half court. Zion's good in the half court. C.J. is good in the half court. Trey is a great guy to use off ball in the half court. Same for Jordan Hawkins. There's definitely ways that works. It's just you have to actually run those type of sets and instill those kind of offensive concepts in your offense, and the Pelicans just simply didn't do that. It's not a half court offense, not because of the players, but because of what the coaching staff wanted it to be last season. So let's keep getting to some of your questions here. Mal the Misfit says, good evening, Pels fans and Jake. Benoit Robinson, sup, Jake? Hello to everybody. Thank you all for being here. 
So let's keep, let's take a look at what, what we got in here for, I just saw one, ABJ504, one of my, one of my favorite listeners and favorite followers. I, tr- I truly mean that about you. Could you see a lineup with Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Trey, Jose, and Hawks? So let me redo this. So it would be something like Jose at the one, Hawkins at the two, Dyson at the three, Herb at the four, and like Trey at the five. Or Herb at the five, Trey at the four, something like that. I don't think you're going to see a lineup like that very often. There is a distinct lack of ball handling there. You know, your best ball handlers in a, you know, it would be Jose, who's not like a true, true point. You know, and you are really lacking size there, I think. And that's a big part of the problem. ABJ says, Jose, Herb, and Dyson is the best defenders. Why can't we put them on at the same time? You got to score points too. Like you got to score points too. And I think that's part of the problem right there with that lineup. Like, where are you getting the points from outside of, say, Trey? Hawkins needs to work off ball, so he needs be- like other offensive stuff going on to be able to get him the ball. Um, so I don't think a lineup like that would work. The other thing is, you know, when we talk about like bench lineups and bench units and things like that, and I felt I, I kind of fall into this trap a little bit too, and that's. You know, you don't get a full-on five-man bench lineup unless you're getting blown out at the end of the game or you're blowing teams out, right? Like, they're threaded in with the starters. It's called a rotation for a reason. You don't make five-man lineup changes. You know, Popovich does that when he's trying to send a message to some of his players, and that's about it. So that is not something you'd truly see. So are you going to get, you know, a bunch of bench players out there without one of or two of, right, Zion, B.I., or C.J.? Probably not because there's no need to do something like that. And that's how I think how you try and maximize your roster. Um, Marcellus Kendall, what's up, Jay Maddie? Right, I'll take Jay Maddie here. Uh, I've got an everydayer from the Philippines here. Oh, this is a one. I, I love it. I love y'all being here. Um, so let's keep going here. This knee, um, Kevin says this needs to be an up-tempo team. Jonas does not allow that to happen. I mean, no, it, it still does, right? Like you can, you can, if you're, if you're forcing turnovers, you can get out and run no matter who's on the court. You know, you don't necessarily have to have your center sprinting up. The other thing that he does well is shooting threes. Like he can make those. DeMarcus Cousins, if you looked at him a lot in New Orleans, something he did was the trail man in transition. You often have a guy kind of like lagging behind a fast break opportunity that parks themselves on the three-point line so that if they do manage, you know, the defenders manage to take away the rim in transition, you turn around, you kick the ball out to that guy and he shoots and makes the three. And that was exactly what DeMarcus Cousins did. Like Jonas could kind of fill some of that role here. Um, I saw a great question about the arena. James Smith, I'll get to that in the next segment. I'll get to that in the next segment because that's a really good question. Um, and we're going to get there in like a minute or two. And I want to get a little bit more. I see there's a couple of really good questions in here, actually. So I really love seeing what we're doing here. Cold Joker 92 thanks for hosting and answering our questions. Look, y'all, I do the show for you. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not miserable here and I have fun doing this, but, you know, I'm constantly blown away and I've hosted over 1,500 episodes. It drags on me. It's the middle of the summer. There's less to talk about. It's just hot outside too. And you have those days where it's like, I don't want to do the show. And then I kind of look at the comments on YouTube. I see the numbers on it and I get energized to be here with y'all. So it's, it's, 
the show's done for you because of you. And if y'all didn't show up like you do, wouldn't really be doing it. So it's don't thank me. Like thank thank your your colleagues, your peers, your your Pelicans fan friends. You, you get the word I'm trying to say here um, to to be here with me. So it's a lot of fun. So there's two really good questions that require a little bit of a deeper dive here that I want to get into. And let's look at that. One has to do with the arena. And then the other one has to do kind of like the, the narrative of the franchise. And I kind of, I really like that one too. Um, so let's answer those. And that just might be the next segment. Great, great questions, y'all in here. Uh, I like everything that I'm seeing. Arena and narrative around the franchise coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday coming to y'all like no one else is the number one Pelicans podcast. And we do these live shows every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. Normally we go for like 45 minutes to an hour. We're going to be a little bit shorter today, but we probably have another 15 minutes or so to answer your questions. And there's some really good ones here. So if you want to support Locked On Pelicans, there's a couple of things you all can do and they all take like 10 seconds. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Just hit the subscribe button. If you want to support it beyond that, comment on YouTube. I see some of y'all say comment for the algorithm. Correct. Correct. We know what we're doing here. That is a big deal and I appreciate it and it takes two seconds to comment. The other thing you can do If you listen to just the podcast version or if you have a podcast app on your phone, open it up and leave a five-star review and put in a comment for Locked On Pelicans. Even if that comment is simply like, hi, Jake, or Jake, your hair is dumb, but here's your five stars. Whatever. I'm cool with it. That supports it. The other thing you can do is tell a friend. You all have friends. because I So I have friends. I have a lot of friends that do this. All my friends know I do this too, right? And they constantly text me things that are just dumb. They're just dumb questions about the team. And I'm not one of those people that's like, you're an idiot, don't worry. It's just they're kind of like nonsensical or it doesn't like follow the CBA or it's like a trade that happened because of the rules and things like that. Or they just think like an older player is still good when they're not anymore. Like I'm going to get a text and be like, should we sign Rudy Gay because I saw him get cut by the Oklahoma City Thunder? And it's like, do you really need to ask that as a question? You don't want your friends doing that to you. So tell them to listen to Lockdown Pelicans so they're going to know a little bit more about what's going on. We also cover the CBA and things like that here, which I don't think you get in a lot of other areas and sort of the technicalities of how the league works as a whole. So let's get into a couple more of your questions as we start to kind of wrap not quite wrap things up. James Smith Jr. says, if you were in charge of designing a new arena for the Pelicans, what would be some things you would want to have in the arena? I've done a show about this before, and the new arena is a thing that's been kind of like in the ether for a number of years. And, you know, I don't think the Smoothie King Center is like as bad as some people will make it out to be. It's dated for sure, but it's not like the place is like falling down, right? Like you can go and you can watch a game and you can have fun and you can have fun because you're a basketball fan and you like the team and you want to watch the team and that's your overriding sense of what you need. But there's a lot of people that aren't like you. You know, I don't like the word casuals and the term casuals with that because I think it's very like 
demeaning to some folks, right? Like if you're a Pelicans fan to me, you're just a Pelicans fan. It's as simple as that, whether you've been one for a day or for decades. You know, I think though that if you want people that aren't basketball fans to come to games to care a little bit, you need to have a fancy state-of-the-art arena. And they do not have that. When I, you know, the example I used was I went to the Cotton Bowl for Tulane being a proud Tulane alum roll wave. I was excited to go because I wanted to see AT&T Stadium and that place is over a decade old, right? And I hadn't seen it and it was like, I want to go see that thing and it was a draw to me. So you need something that is a draw for people. Oh, I haven't been to the new arena yet. Trey, Trey, don't spam the chat. That's how you get banned. Please don't do that. And because I, I don't have time to delete all of those and I don't want to clog it up. It's not, not like a personal shot here. The, you, you need the arena to have people be like, oh, I want to go and see that. I haven't seen that before. You, know, you want people from out of town, tourists that are in town to be like, oh, I want to go check that place out because it looks awesome. The Smoothie King Center is not that. You don't get anyone going because they want to go see the Smoothie King Center. So you need to make it state-of-the-art for like that reason. It's to compete with people watching on TV, to compete with everything else going on in New Orleans. The, the best way to do that is just state-of-the-art. You know, good concessions, good sound, make it look futuristic, right? Like, it, I, I struggle to answer this, this question because like I go for basketball. I, I don't really care about some of the other stuff in there, right? You have the, the Golden State Warriors arena that has like, like a kicks vending machine. You can go buy Jordans from the vending machine and it'll like kind of deliver it to you. Like that's cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going for that. And so I think you, you kind of do it. And if you're going to do it, it's got to be almost a spectacle. The biggest screen you can put in there is why you do it because people want to go see this incredible piece of technology. If you can do something with like fireworks and fun stuff in there that's safe, do that because people want something like that. If the seats are comfortable and all of the seats are good and a lot of the most of the seats in the Smoothie King Center aren't, you know, they hurt your back, it's not easy to get to and from things, upgrade that and people don't mind going. Those are to me the things that you need to do. You need to make it kind of a, a, a spectacle to just lure people there, which thus makes more money for the team, which means they can spend more on their product. You know, good concessions is important at a decent price, yes, because this isn't a city where you can afford to price out people like the Golden State Warriors did. No one would show up. That's part of the problem. The, the other thing that I would like to see is it in a different location than it is. I don't love where it is behind the Superdome. If you could put this closer to the convention center and build a district around it, I think is a really important thing. You know, think about it on like a Wednesday night, the game's at seven, you get off work, you want to go get a bite to eat with your friends or your family, you know, take them somewhere to eat before you go to the game because maybe concessions are terrible. There's not really, there's a couple of options. There's a couple of options by the Smoothie King Center, but it's not amazing. And then it's a 10 to 15 minute walk from any of those places to the arena, which doesn't sound like a lot, but actually is. So if you could put a couple of bars, restaurants, like immediately next door to the arena, Texas Live is right there for the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks have this too around their, their newer arena. That's the type of thing I think you need to do because it's going to make people come out. And that's, I think, an important thing. Cool, I can go have dinner and then I'll go to the game and then I'll have drinks with my friends right after, right there and I don't have to move around much. And you make it kind of like a, 
honestly, because it's New Orleans, a safe atmosphere. That's, I think, the real big thing on what you do and how you make that work. So that's why I think you need to move it there and do some other things with it. it. You know, really, the new arena is not so much about just having a new arena. It's about okay, I want to go to that place because it's cool, so I'm going to get off my couch and not watch it from the comfort of my own home on my really good, high-quality TV. And that's what they need to try and figure out. I'm not the best person for that because I'd rather go for the basketball. But you're going to get those people no matter what. The other question I saw here, sorry, I went a little little wrong here. Um, little wrong, long, that's the word that I'm trying to say. There was another question that was really good that I wanted to answer here and hold on, let me scroll up and I'm going to find this as I kind of like spin, spin, spin the wheels here to try and keep you going. That one was from James Smith. I don't know where the other question went and it was a good one. Um, and I might've just lost it or maybe it got deleted here too. So I don't know. I'm trying to see if I can find this. So keep putting your questions in the chat. What do you want to see in the arena? You know, what would you think, what, what would get you to go if you weren't really feeling like, going to a game okay this here's the question this one comes from chris holiday how do you change the narrative of the franchise as a longtime fan it gets tough to believe we'll ever see a championship i, I can give you a one word answer on this i can give you it's a two-word answer it's technically a one-word answer but it's a two-word answer win win consistently this is a team that has had Here's a question for y'all. Here's a question for y'all. How many times in the history of New Orleans basketball, so the Hornets and the Pelicans, have they made back-to-back postseasons? Have they made the postseason twice in a row? Two years in the postseason in a row. How many times has this team done it? I'm curious if people know the answer to this. This isn't a trick question or anything like that, by the way. I'll tell you, they've done it twice. They've done it twice. The first season of basketball was 0203. So we're looking at over 20 years ago now. They've made to back-to-back playoffs twice. They've made in 22 seasons, 1 2 3 4 5 6. The postseason eight times in 22 seasons. People just don't buy in. The narrative is going to be that you don't win because because they don't. Like this one is Very simple. They don't, right? Like, if you make the postseason eight out of 22 seasons you've been around, but I think it might be eight out of 21, technically, because I think that's counting the season that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, like, of course, then, people aren't going to take you seriously. And then they do have a constant issue of injuries, superstars wanting to leave, starting with Chris Paul and then Anthony Davis and some of the rumors around Zion Williamson, right? Like, they handle this stuff not in a great manner. You know, they haven't been one of the cheapest organizations. They are a team that has spent usually around the middle of the like league in terms of payroll, but you need to win. It's just as simple as that. You want people to think you're a well-run organization. You know what well-run organizations do is they win and they make the playoffs. And it's not always something which is what it is with this team it gets exhausting at times we'll go for about 10 more minutes here being a pelicans fan because it's always something put two really three years together where it's not always something and the narrative will start to change 
you know, don't be cheap about things, you know, and, and they've gotten better with a lot of that, you know, freshen things up, new jerseys, which I, if you've been, a, if you're an everyday or, you know, I've told you you're getting new red jerseys this year and I don't, I don't love them, but they just don't do stuff that seems like fun, you know? I think that's kind of part of the problem with that. There's, you know, always like PR messaging issues going back, you know, like every, especially around Zion. And that might be more of a Zion thing than like a team thing. You know, go back to David Griffin saying that Zion would be ready for the opening game of the regular season. And then it was, well, I didn't say that it was going to be, I said he would be ready during the regular season. I never said the start. And you're just like, Come on, man. And then, you know, that didn't happen. Then the stuff of will he play in the playing tournament game or not this year? And they had to put out a statement and then they had to put out a, a clarification on the statement and then another clarification on the statement and all of that stuff. Like when you, and again, I don't really think this is like the PR people's fault, right? Like this may be, you know, the two examples I give are more about Zion than anything else. But it's like when you have stuff like that, it's just kind of like stop bungling things. Like, stop bungling things, and this all goes away, and they just have a knack for doing that, which probably speaks to something internal at, like, the highest, highest, highest level of things. Grady Smith says, hey, Jake, just wanted to say I've been loving your work and all the effort you put into the show. I appreciate you a lot. You're amazing. Thank you, man. Love from Canada. Go Pels. Hello to Canada here. So, you know, I think when it comes to kind of changing the narrative around it, too, is you've got to figure out a marketing plan that works. Like, won't bow down. Like, that just bombed, right? Like, no one really bought into that, and that didn't really, like, resonate or do anything like that. You know, raising your ticket prices after a bad season isn't the look. If anything, it should be, we didn't do a good enough job, we're going to lower ticket prices we want you here, we're trying to do right by you, the fans, would be a way to go about doing some things like that. And that's just not something they do. You know, I think you could easily make the argument, because I've talked to them about this, that they need to do more other media things. And maybe they don't use their own people even internally well enough to give you some of the type of insight that they could to make you connect with this team even more to make you feel that things are a little bit more transparent with some of that stuff even if they don't owe you transparency on a lot of things so I think those are the type of things that you could start to fix and you could start to fix those right away and I think that would maybe start to change the narrative but honestly it's winning like you gotta win you either gotta nail everything else like every single thing else and then you can be like lovable losers, right? Like the Cubs are a great example of that for decades. They, they were, people loved them. And they were terrible, you know, but they nailed everything else. Or you've just got to win and then you don't need to worry about it. And the Pelicans kind of act, I think, at times like, we're so good and we're the only game in town, so you're going to show up no matter what when it's like, y'all don't deserve that kind of loyalty from your fans. The fans might give it to you and I have no problem with that, but I don't know if they say deserve some of some of that stuff here. Chris, what you say, since this was off of your question, he says, I agree. I feel like teams, especially NOLA, are highly undervaluing small, exciting things like new, interesting jerseys. Like, yeah, I, I agree. If you're not going to win and the team's not, right? Eight postseasons in 21 years, back-to-back postseasons just twice in franchise history, you know, I think that's something that 
like you got to nail everything else. This is not simply like we exist. We're the only game in town. So show up. People eventually are going to be like, screw you. You know, you don't treat us with enough respect, I think. So other thing is just lower ticket prices. People will then go like that's one of the easiest things to do. Make the games available on TV. Um, and I've talked a lot about that. I did a show on that. I see someone saying we most certainly need a better TV contract uh, or just no TV contract. Could be an option too. And I've, I, there's an episode on that if you want to learn more about it, a little bit more behind the scenes stuff that I shared a lot in there. Um, and I think that could be, it, look, if you make the games available, people will watch. That'll go a long way. Really as simple as that. VB, Saints, Pels lady, maybe the Pels sh- could hire you, Jake. You seem to be creative and could help the team improve their image with the community. I talked to them a lot. I've, I've done work for them. I think most of y'all know that. So I don't know, maybe in the future, but. I'm, I like being here with y'all on Lockdown Pelicans when I can, where I can kind of do whatever I want and say whatever I want. So that's also a very, very fun thing. Uh, Jonathan Sylvie says, hoping for a sun situation for the Pelicans. Look, they, they, I, I'll say this again. They really considered bringing it all internal last season before re-upping with Bally's. I could give you the reasons why they re-upped with Bally's. I have before. I don't know if you want to believe it or not. That's up to you, but it's something they at least looked at so if you you know the new arena is going to be a tough one the new arena i have a show on that and i do think that's really important to keep this team long term here if you listened on tuesday the type of thing that scares me and you know potentially could have the team move so that's a thing um so that always kind of worries me a little bit. So a couple more comments and we got to wrap up here. Nola G says, Jake, it's easier to express our concerns, recommendations, and comments to you than it will be with the team. Bad business, bro. You know, I agree. I'm also open and willing to listen. I don't necessarily know how much the team looks for that sort of feedback. I think they're just happy with how things are and uh, they don't really care to and they're like we're you know we're making money people show up like we're good with what it is if they really wanted to like go all in they need to definitely do more i agree with that leon alvarado you think we can trade jv for robert williams because of the Porzingis trade i think they would have moved him by now if they really wanted to i don't think they want to make really very many more changes yet stephanie wilson says so jake do you think valley sports will broadcast the games this year i don't know for sure you know i kind of feel like a yes, because uh, Bally's and Sinclair, the group that owns them, wants to. And if it goes to like bankruptcy and things like that, like that might tie up the rights and mean you can't move things. So that's kind of part of it as well. So I don't know yet, but I don't think I think eventually the Pelicans will bring it in house and you'll see the games. It would be my guess broadcast for free on Fox 8 here in New Orleans and then like the usual radius around that they'll have their own app or like on pelicans.com or something like that also Nology, if it i like that when it's like it's easier to express our concerns to you y'all need to complain get things off your chest comments down below on youtube lay it in there i look at all of those so trust me i see everything i understand what y'all are feeling and i get it i'm a fan too you know i'm a fan too so i'm there with y'all And I'm going to be here with y'all this whole summer because we're going to end the show right here. So thank y'all for coming into the live show. This was a lot of fun. I always get blown away to see how many people stop by, even if it was for a minute or two, to watch this while we do these live and give me part of your evening. So I cannot thank you enough for making Locked On Pelicans part of your day, whether it's during the live shows here at 7 p.m. Thursdays or any day of the week 
making it part of your morning commute or if you're at the gym or whatever. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. The show is here because of y'all, not because I want to do the show, even though I do want to do the show. So that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be live next week. We got a lot to talk about next week, too. Final week of five days a week before dropping down to three days a week for a little bit. So I'm looking forward to being with y'all all summer. Thank y'all. Oh, wait, I got to hit the... I have this. There we go.